This is Sarah Haller, and you're listening to Found Pearls. Each week, I talk with one guest who shares with us their pearls of truth that can hopefully help you on your journey through life. Best-selling author and Harvard psychology researcher Daniel Gilbert, Ph.D., spoke to the American Psychological Association. Christopher Munsey of the APS summed up some of what Gilbert shared by saying, Married people are happier than unmarried ones, perhaps because the single best predictor of human happiness is the quality of social relationships, end quote. I think we all know that marriage is absolutely worth it. It can be the source of our greatest happiness and stability. And yet on the flip side, a rocky marriage can be the source of our deepest wounds. So how do we strengthen our marriage? How do we maintain a relationship that is fun and happy and vibrant until the end of our lives? I sat down with Katie and John Knudsen to ask them these questions. Katie is my older sister of eight years, and if you know the Knudsens, you know that there's just something about them that feels together. Some of you might know couples like that, where you can just tell that there's something deep there. They are the parents of six kids between the ages of 12 and 2. No easy task, as many of you know. They've been married for 14 years, and yet though time has passed and they've met challenges, they seem to have maintained and even strengthened the love that they found when they were first dating. So I sat down with them to ask them, how do they do it? What are some things that they do that help them keep their marriage strong? They came up with five main things that can hopefully help you as you work to create a relationship that is lasting and brings you true happiness. Okay, so we talked together about this and came up with five things okay. that we would suggest Okay, that have worked in our marriage and that are oh, good things. Yeah. The first one was communication. That was from, from day one. We, we found that we needed to communicate through everything. And, uh, and we really hit it off that way. I mean, our relationship started that first night with just talking about everything and anything. And I think that's been something we've always done. It's just, it's just talked and talked and talked. And, and things that are happening at work, things that are happening with kids, we just, we just sit and, uh, and talk through things. So I have a question about that. So can you give an example, a problem that would happen if you don't communicate? So I was actually thinking about this. This is kind of one of the things that we talk about with communication is the ability to forgive one another when, when your expectations aren't being met or whatever. So there was a time where I had done something and I didn't even know that I was doing it, that it was bothering Katie and... I could tell that she was kind of irritated, but I couldn't really, I didn't really know why. And to her credit, she came forward and just expressed her frustration and we worked through it. And so we just, we talked about it and, and I, I didn't realize that I was bothering her and I certainly didn't want to bother her. And so we, we took care of it, but I really couldn't even tell you what it was, uh, that was going on and she couldn't remember either. And I felt like that was, a uh, you know, a good sign of forgiveness because when you, when you forgive somebody, you, I mean, really, it's like you can't even remember what it was. So, uh, 
that's, I don't know, that's a small example maybe, and that's kind of happened on and off throughout our time. And we've seen other people and feel that sometimes they hold on to things or, they, or they're, it's like they're testing their, their spouse to see if they can figure out what they're thinking or they're just hinting toward the thing that's bothering them where, why don't you just talk about it? That's kind of been what we have been all about these 14 years. Yeah, and something else we've tried to communicate about is we've noticed that sometimes we might have differing expectations, and when our expectations aren't met, either one of us, that's when a lot of times we're frustrated. So if we can get good at communicating ahead of time, then our expectations typically are met, and then if they're not, uh, we do just like John said and forgive and forget. We talk about it and not just let it fester. We, we quickly talk about it. Can you give an example of that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. We had a really hard time coming up with examples. Yeah. But um, I mean, You talk about like one, expectations, and I'm just trying to understand Okay, expectations that. of like even simple things like what are weekend is going to look like as far as like a Saturday he has tasks he needs to do and I have tasks I need to do and we want to go do something fun with our kids and if we don't communicate usually there's frustration because I'm like why are you spending so much time doing this I need to go do this and we haven't talked about it where if ahead of time like on Friday night hey what do you have going on tomorrow and we talk about it, and, and then we're clear on the expectations, then things go so much smoother. So we usually try to do that. Sunday nights, we get together, and um, we talk about the week and what we each have going on and how we can help each other. And then, and then usually our expectations are met because we're on the same page. So that's one way we communicate. I feel like unity is a huge part of marriage. And what would you, what would your advice be to a couple that maybe um, they had fun together, they got married, things were good dating, and then they get married and it feels like, holy cow, we're so different, we, we see things so differently, we can never agree, we can never come together, we can't be unified. I mean, what would you say to a couple like that? I think that one of the things that you can focus on is common goals because together you're trying to build this life so whether it's you know buying a house having kids different things there are common things that you have and so I would say build upon those um, and as you're supporting each other and encouraging each other to accomplish that goals it helps you be more unified yeah. Does that make sense? Focus on what, yeah, what you do have Yeah, don't worry that maybe he likes fishing and I like getting a pedicure or he, you know, and we actually don't want to go do those things together. We'll find what you love. You both like to eat, right? So, so plan dates and things that you can do and enjoy together. Figure out whatever that is. Because obviously when you were dating, you did do stuff together that you enjoyed. Yeah. So focus on that and then... From there, just create goals and have dreams and plan and and. Um, and I say there too, you can't together. focus on who's going to win, who's right, who's wrong. I think you've got to just you got to have kind of the end in mind, saying what are, what are we trying to accomplish here? Yeah. You know, with like parenting, if it's a parenting thing, it's like 
the end goal is to have this child uh, to learn, to be respectful, to be honest. Like there, there's a lot of common ground we can draw on that we can both agree to, and then from there we can just discuss how to do that. And there, there might be some differences there, and and I don't know, maybe maybe it takes being willing to see the other person's side of it and and willing to try their methods maybe or being open to that. I, I think it takes both people though being willing to uh, and, and respectful of each other's ideas and kind of... Uh, Something we've found like in our marriage that works, we're really different from each other but as we've like grown in our marriage together we've come to realize that we each have strengths that we can draw upon and come together and and work together so that's another thing you can do is notice your strengths because everybody has strengths and weaknesses nobody's perfect but if you draw upon each other's strengths and use those to work together and become unified it will help help you become better in the process and grow closer um, you don't necessarily have to be the same. Yeah, you shouldn't be. You don't want to be the same. You need to celebrate the differences that you each bring. I mean, John, for example, is super, super kind. Like that is, and we laugh sometimes. We're like, oh, it's a strength and a, and a weakness, really just a strength. But but because of that kindness, I've learned from that Yeah. and become more kind through that process where maybe I could have gotten bugged because I'm like, oh, you're too kind. You should have you know, fought yeah, for that a little more, bit more, whatever. whatever. But really, his kindness has become such a important part of his business, our marriage, so many things. And I love that about him. Instead, I think every trait everyone has, you could either take it for a positive or a negative. But in marriage, you really should probably choose to take the positive part of that and yeah, and appreciate that. That makes sense. That's great. That's another important thing that, uh, that we really try very hard to uh, implement is having fun. I think we see too many, especially in our, in our phase with six kids, uh, life can be really busy and it can be hard to justify getting away, whether that's just a weekend date night or even harder just to get uh, a vacation where the two of us can go and, and do some, uh, just spend some time together doing something fun. Uh, that has been very important for our marriage. And, uh, and that's been, uh, that's been a wonderful thing that we work on quite a bit to, uh, to maintain. Um, another f fun thing that we do is, uh, we noticed, and this was especially important when our kids were very young, there was this phase where we had, you know, four under the age of, I don't know, six or something crazy where they were all so little and it was, it was so stressful on Katie, especially that was home most of the day with them. We got into this little habit of sitting in bed with the lights off, looking up at the ceiling, and trying to find just the funny things that happened that day, the funny things that the little kids said or did, and to just be able to laugh, just to sit there. And although it was very stressful and frustrating, somebody's potty training, somebody's uh, you know messing up the house, it to just sit there and laugh about how cute they were we found that at the, at the end of the night uh, you just felt so good about your family and to uh and, and just be able to you know take it take it light and have fun with that
That's great advice. I like that a lot. Because I agree, sometimes it gets like... I, at least for me, I've noticed a big sh like hard thing for us is just kids. Like, we're both frustrated. Somebody's got a poopy diaper. Like, it just... It can you're be both kind of like ground and you kind of take it out on each other. But... Yeah. I think that's a good way to kind of make it a positive and not take it out on each other. Yeah. For me, being the stay-at-home mom, which I really, really love, but I have found that date night is crucial for me as a spouse and as a parent to take that time and to go have fun and to reset and be able to... And usually on our date nights, honestly, we talk about our kids. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Um, and But it's such a good reset that I go away feeling uplifted and ready to go back and, and, you know, adjust a few things that we need to adjust and, and take that time. But a lot of people in our stage of life right now don't want to pay for babysitters. They don't. And a lot of our society, I think in general feels like everything is so catered to your kids. Um, so kid centered and, I think it's so important for your kids that you love your spouse and that they see that and it really builds confidence in them. So you're really doing a big favor to your children to love your spouse. And I think that's even more important than um, putting your kids first. Yeah, I think so. And maybe I'll say too, just to clarify, I'm not talking about movies and concerts and things that could cost a lot of money. Our dates look a lot like going to the park going on a walk, playing tennis. Our favorite thing is to just go play tennis at the park. Uh, it's just finding something fun that we both enjoy and spending time together, uh, usually just going out. A lot of times it's just going out to grab dinner and even sometimes we go to the grocery store and just walk around and go shopping. Uh, it can just be real simple stuff. Uh, and we found that the free or close to free is, is the stuff that we, we find the most fun and the most enjoyable. That's great. Okay, something else that we feel strongly about is um, serving each other. So before you get married, it's all about you. Everything's about what you're going to do, who you're going to marry, the dates you're going on. All that kind of stuff is just so centered on you. And, and when you get married, that is there is a shift there. It's about the other person. And a lot of times when people are dating, they focus on that other person and then they get married and kind of become complacent. But I think part of um, being married, a huge part, is serving one another. And um, I always think there is this really cute children's book that's called Fanny's Dream. And it's really affected me because it's this darling late, well, this funny, Sh funny, sturdy, sturdy, a sturdy lady <laughs> and this cute boy that wants to marry her, but he's kind of nerdy if you will and he um <laughs> he, he just sees the good in fanny and he asks her to marry her but she wants to marry a prince and but finally after a while she's like okay fine i'll marry him because he'll put a roof over my head and and um together they work hard and they have a family and they build their life together and he takes the time every day because he feels so bad that she didn't marry a prince. He takes the time every day to serve her and does one thing. And that so, seems so silly, but honestly, if every in every marriage, everybody did one thing to serve their spouse every day, I think there would be a lot better marriages. Because 
You're thinking about the other person and what can make them happy. You're noticing them. You're giving them attention and love. And, and you grow in your love as you serve. Um, and so I think that that's a good lesson. And that's something that we both not even consciously try to do, but I think it's just become a habit of what we do. But we're always, I love to make dinner for John because he loves it. And I know that it's important for him to come home from work and have a family dinner and kind of have that time together. That's a really big deal to me and to him, but he really appreciates a home cooked meal. So to me, that's a way for me to serve him and show him my love. I like yeah. that. I, I was just going to say that reminds me of, our mom, she told me a story about when she was young, she saw a friend's mom make a lunch, like this immaculate lunch on the table for her spouse. And mom's initial reaction was like, what the heck? He's like making her be a servant or something. Like, this is so weird. And yet she realized that she, that that friend's mom was doing that because she loved her husband so much. And it wasn't an expectation. It was just a way to say, I love you. And as a result, they had just like a strong, strong marriage. So I think that's really, really true what you're saying. So I'll, I'll borrow from uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. <laughs> he talks about how love, the word love, is actually a verb. That really resonated with me and what, what we were talking about just because it, uh, you know, the, the anecdote is that somebody comes to him and says, I've fallen out of love with my, my spouse. How do I, what do I do? And, and he said, well, love her. And he said, no, 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 you didn't, you didn't hear me. I don't love her anymore. There's no more love. And he said, well, you need to love her. And he was so frustrated because he, he just didn't understand what he was saying. And finally, he had to explain to him, no, you need to love her, the verb love. If you, if you start with the verb love, the feeling of love is what will follow. Uh, so it's not about it's not about falling in love. It's not like this incident that occurs like an, almost like an accident. This is something that you a feeling of love can be rekindled or strengthened by serving love. Um, and and I can say that's definitely true. You know, I come home and and that's been my focus is just what can I do to help Katie? What can I do to help the kids? Uh, how can I serve them? Because I've learned how to enjoy a life of, of serving my family. And so what, what I do for fun is I get to come home and interact with my wife and my kids. And, that's, and that is the best thing I can think of. Uh, that is, uh, that's what I love to do now. So, it's, um, so that feeling of love has really enveloped my heart as I have focused more and more on serving them and helping out and, and getting, getting things done and being unified. I see that a lot in, in couples that they sometimes try to each kind of have their thing and it, and it seems like they're kind of almost trying to be even with each other. Well, if you're going to go do that, then I'm going to go do this. And since you had a girl's night out, well, now I'm going to have a guy's night out. I think that's very unhealthy. I don't like the keeping score kind of mentality on that. You know, if Katie goes out with some friends at night to go grab some dessert or something, I'm not thinking to myself, okay, now what am I going to do so that I can be even? Yeah. Uh, we're unified, and, and, if, and I recognize that sometimes I'm doing fun things, and sometimes she's doing fun things, but we're not keeping score and trying to be even. 
And there's something else with communication because sometimes there'll be several things like a football game and then a, I don't know, different things that come up and sometimes we have to talk about it. Say, okay, is this too much? Yeah. And we'll just communicate and say, is it okay? Is it not okay? And, and is it a burden on our family or our marriage? And we'll talk about it. And sometimes it's totally fine. And other times it's like, no, I need you right now. Yeah. And so that's where we continue to communicate. Yeah. So that we make sure we're on the same page and not just frustrated with each other without talking about it. So what if you are in your marriage and you can tell that things are not going well and you just feel like my spouse is not on board. You just can't find a way to even fix things together. Like what would be your advice to somebody like that? One, I would probably listen first. So ask them questions rather than coming in with like, I'm going to tell them to I'm do gonna this. I'm going to tell you to do this and this and this and why you're not doing that. Because I think with every person, the way they act is because something isn't, they're not feeling fulfilled in some way. And so if you go in asking questions to them and just listening and trying to find out, we've done this with our kids a lot. There's certain times they act way, certain ways and we're just like, why are you acting this way? I have no idea what to do. But if we stop and go in and just start asking them questions about how they feel, what's going on, and really start to dig deeper, you can get to the root of the problem and then address it and help them. If your spouse isn't willing to talk about things, then I would probably say um, the serving thing to find little, their, think about their favorite things and start serving them and showing them that love. Even if it's hard for you. And even I, if they don't reciprocate. And even if they don't reciprocate, do it without expecting anything back. But just do it to show them that you love them. And I think over time it will help heal because they'll realize that you're on their side. Because it's probably been that you've had so much conflict that they have their guard up. They've yeah. put up these barriers, but it, through love and service and and that kindness, I think those barriers can be broken down if you're willing to be patient and not have expectations of how they're going to treat you back yeah. right away. That's good. I like that. And maybe I'll just, if, if we can go a little, uh, get a little religious here, I think that one of the things that, uh, another thing that we thought about is is involving Christ in our relationship. Um, we make it a habit from the very beginning. We have a we have a wonderful track record of going to the temple every single month, and that's to go there and to think about the covenants that we've made to each other, but as well the covenants and promises that we've made to our Savior Jesus Christ. That brings us together, you know. I, and I've seen the diagram sometimes of a triangle where Christ is at the top, and the two of you as spouses are on either end of that other triangle at the base. And as you get closer to Christ, those points grow closer together. And I think that if you are, if you're, if you are spiritually trying to um, be close with the Savior and reading the Scriptures and saying your prayers and and making covenants and promises to Him, that as you do that and honor those things and live your life in in such a way that's close to the Savior, it will. I think an automatic thing that happens is that you are drawn closer to your spouse. We've seen that so many times, and I think that that's that's uh, that's been a foundation piece for us, just to be able to to be unified in our worship 
and in our feelings toward him and in the ways that we can serve him and help him. And then in the process, one of the, one of the byproducts is that we, we get closer and love each other that much deeper. And something along those lines, I think, is praying for your spouse by name. That's really simple, but I think it's really effective because as you pray for them by name and pray for their needs and care about what they care about, I think you start to think of them more and care about them more. And that's a natural byproduct of praying for somebody. And, and so I think that's an important element, praying together um, but even your individual prayers, praying for your spouse. And also, I was just thinking about that, but being interested in what they're interested in, that doesn't mean you have to go um, be obsessed like they are with whatever they are or be like totally involved, but being willing to listen to them and, and care about it. I think about you, Sarah, and how Mitchell loves the jazz, and you couldn't care less about the jazz, but now you do because you've chosen to be interested in it because he's interested in it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're following all the stats and know all everything about everything, but you care enough about Mitchell that you're willing to, to ask him questions and be excited about the jazz for him and things like that. Yeah. You know, and that's an important thing, too. I agree, because when your spouse does it for you, it's like, it means a lot to be able to talk about something you like. Yeah, and know that they'll care because you care. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'll say too, this is just, all of this is just kind of our opinion. This is just our relationship, and we've seen a lot of other relationships. I mean, closest to us, obviously, are our siblings, Katie with her other six siblings, and my with my other three siblings all married, all happy, I, and we're seeing a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, and this is what works for us. And I don't know that this has to be the exact way that everybody is. Because I think there's a lot of other couples that, that function differently. Maybe even complete opposites of what we, some of the stuff we do. But, uh, but for us, it's what has worked and continues to work. That wraps up our discussion with Katie and John Knutson. Huge thanks to them for taking their time to share that with us. I know for me, after listening to that, I went home and I felt like there are some things that I want to do better. So thank you so much to both of you. Next week on Found Pearls, I'm going to be sitting down with Janine Davis, who is also my mom, to talk with her about coping with grief she had a mom that died uh, when she was 14 years old and she'll be sharing with us how she was able to get through that and cope with it and find hope. Hopefully you'll join us next week as we talk about coping with grief.